everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Arborish Gym. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about my process for pruning trees and the steps that I take, my methodology, how I look at it, how I approach it. And when I say how I approach it, obviously I'm approaching it from a different point of view than a homeowner or a property owner. I'm approaching it from the professional arborist side. So usually for me, that means that I'm pulling up to a job that I've never seen. I don't know the trees. I'm looking at a work order and I'm reading what somebody else wrote down. And most likely if you have a tree company come out, whoever you spoke to, I'm reading what they wrote down from what they spoke with you about. So if you have a tree that is in your front yard and you want it pruned and that's the way that you set it to the to the arborist rep or the salesman they may have asked you questions as to what do you mean by prune do you want it elevated do you want it cleaned out are you only concerned about the deadwood is the tree concerning you because it's getting too big is there a lead that's extending too far is it making you nervous because it may be over top of your house? There's a, there's a whole list of questions. A good arborist most likely, or a good sales rep most likely, would have led off with, what's your biggest concern? What, what worries you the most about this tree? Or what was the primary reason that you called me out other than you want it, air quotes, pruned? So whatever answer he gives you, or you give him, he writes that down in his notes and he'll make a proposal up. The proposal may or may not look the same as what I get or as the arborist that's going to be doing the climbing and cutting gets the crew. So I may get anything ranging and there's a, you know, depending on who you work for, there could be a ridiculous amount of range of how I may see the proposal written out. I might see prune tree in yard or prune maple tree front yard. It's about as basic as it gets, right? It doesn't give me too much detail of which then I have to call whoever was the sales rep up and ask them, what do you want done here besides pruning? So, uh, or it could be very detailed. It could say, you know, elevate to an elevation of eight feet. So whoever's walking underneath can walk underneath without being uh, hit in the head. Also, elevate over house six feet. Allow airflow. Allow sunlight. This way your roof can stay dry and you don't get that, that buildup of mildew and fungus up in your roof area, causing you within years to have to replace sections of your roof. It could also say things like remove all deadwood, thin the tree out, or it could say we want to reduce the size of this tree and it'll give me a number, say three feet, four feet, whatever the range is. And that, that's what I'll be going off of as the arborist coming to your property, what's on that piece of paper. And hopefully what's on that piece of paper, it uh, aligns with what you, the homeowner, was looking for. 
And 99.9% .9 of the time, it does. But that's also why we try to knock on doors and we ask questions and things of that nature. And most likely, if it's if I'm unsure about what's going on, I'm going to know real fast by the paperwork and I'll have to give a phone call. So it's not really a big deal. Um, not, on, not, not for me anyway. I, I assume um, if, you're, if you're a newer climber or newer arborist and you don't have uh, experienced guys on your crew to um, instruct you, lead you, teach you along the way the craft of doing the job and the ins and outs that aren't related to necessarily climbing up in the tree and cutting but you know handling a work order could be a little bit more difficult but back to the topic so pruning i'm going to come out to your property as i as i pull up to your house i'm going to obviously look to see what is to be done maple tree front yard in front of house needs to be pruned, let's say, needs to be, or, or even if it was a maple tree in front of built, um, uh, a storefront, we're going to pick something that's close to a building. Um, we're, I'm going to walk up and I'm going to look at what is the most obvious thing that could be a concern. And it might be written on the paper. So let's say elevation, because we know people are going to be walking underneath of it. Clearance from the building, because we don't want the tree rubbing against our building. We want the tree, but we don't want the tree to cause us any financial burden and property damage. And then general safety of the tree. Okay, that's, that's pretty general of what we do on a daily basis. So for you, the property owner, or the caretaker of the tree... What does that mean? So I'm going to first look at all the hazards. Elevation could be considered a hazard if people that are walking in front of your home or your, your business establishment are being poked in the eye by branches. So I'm going to want to get that up to a general height. Now, if it's dry outside and the leaves are on it, I'm probably going to go a little bit higher than seven or eight feet for the reason that I know that when it gets heavy, from rain, that it's going to be back down pretty far. And I can't just assume that you're not going to have your business open because it's raining or that the trees are wet. So I'm going to have to elevate it. We might discuss that you want it up at only seven feet, but I may be going nine feet, 10 feet, because I know that there's going to be a lot of drooping branches that are still going to reach you. And I don't want you to have that. Then I'm going to look for any large deadwood. That may be the first one. Those two could be very interchangeable. But most likely I'm going to do elevation first because unless there's a large piece of deadwood that's precariously hanging over my head and I, for safety reasons for me even working there, I need to, I need to handle that. I may do one or the other first. But let's say I go to deadwooding second. I'm going to find all branches that are substantial. And by substantial, that could be anything from a half inch in diameter and up. And then depending on the length. It doesn't necessarily mean, though, that I'm going to concern myself with 
fine pruning all the deadwood out of the tree, including all the smallest twigs I can possibly find, unless that's what was written on the work order and that was the agreement that I'm going to fine prune all deadwood out of the tree. And the reason I say that is because trees will always have deadwood. I can come and I can prune your tree, but at the end of the day, I know when I walk away, within a month, there's going to be more deadwood. Now, it's not going to be a lot of deadwood, but trees are always self-pruning. And by self-pruning, I mean they're, they're taking branches that are in the canopy that they don't need, and they're dying them off. It's a natural thing. They're taking energy from where they don't need it, and they're placing it to where they do need it. It's called a tree's self-pruning. So if you see deadwood in your tree after someone prunes it, it's natural. They didn't do anything wrong. The tree, there's nothing wrong with the tree, necessarily. It's just doing its natural cycle. So I'm going to run through. I'm going to take all the major deadwood out. Now we don't have to be concerned about dead branches falling loose like they will eventually, and hitting anybody or anything. After that, because it's against the building, I'm going to look to see what needs to come off the building. Because I know that in the long run, I can only max take 20% of the tree's canopy away, or growth away. So I'm going to want to concentrate, and deadwood doesn't count. Deadwood in a tree doesn't count as part of the percentage of the of the tree's growth that I'm taking away. It's already it's already established itself as dead. The tree's already gone through the function of healing itself. Um, that doesn't count. Only live live wood counts. So I've already elevated it. Now I'm gonna look at taking the tree off the building. I'm gonna do my best to not take an excessive amount though. Sometimes you have to be pretty heavy-handed in that, meaning that little branches may not do it. I may have to take large leads completely off because over the years, yes, we've pruned it back or someone had pruned it back. All the branches that came off, all the secondary branches that have come off the lead, but the lead does keep getting wider and wider and wider, larger in girth, and to the point that very well could be growing into the building at this point. There's a, there's a pretty good example of this in New Hope on North Main Street, right along the river, uh, riverside of North Main Street. If you look at, if you drive down and you, you look at some of the sycamore trees, those large white looking trees next to the homes, there's one of the larger homes on the river that has an old, not an old growth, but a larger sycamore tree that is literally within inches of the house. Now, eventually that tree will have to be dealt with because I promise you, no one's going to try to move the house for the tree. So the days are numbered on that tree if they're not already numbered. But that's a good example of over the years, pruned it away from the building, pruned it away from the building, pruned it away from the building. But now it's just so wide. It's such a large diameter tree at the height of the roof that there's going to be no other option. 
It's either going to have to be damage to the house or it's going to be removal of the tree. Pretty sure we all would choose removal of the tree, even though I try to save as much as I possibly can, look for all options of removing large pieces of a tree or sections of a tree or the removal of a whole tree. But let's face it, it's your house, it's where you live, that's where you raise your family, you got to keep that safe. So after I remove as much as I possibly can away from the building or the structure to make it clear and safe, I then take the steps of what else do I have left? Saying that I can still remove more. Sometimes that might be it. That, that may be your 20% right there. And the next pruning may be making the tree look quote unquote pretty. But let's say I can keep pruning. I'm then going to start looking for diseased branches. And I would normally say broken branches, but we're going to assume the broken branches came out with the hazardous pruning with the dead wood stuff. So now I'm going to be looking for diseased branches, branches that look like they have some kind of growth on them, saying that it's a, um, it's a, it's a non-beneficial growth. So like your fungi, um, your bacteria growth. And I'm also going to be looking for branches that are crossing and rubbing on each other. That's a very important one because that is a step when you take out a branch that's rubbing against another branch and you do it in time. So it hasn't been there for a long time. It hasn't grown real big and it hasn't started rubbing and actually causing an open wound. You are taking a giant step in preventing a spot in that tree where infection and insects will be able to enter in the future. And by doing so, there's a good chance that you may prevent either a large section of the tree having to be removed or the whole tree itself. You got to remember that infections and insects a lot of the times are a secondary reason for a tree's decline. They're usually they're usually the sign of something else going on. Nine times out of ten, if you got bugs or disease, we always look towards water conditions. Is the tree stressed because it's got too much water? Or is it stressed because it doesn't have enough water? It could be either one. But sometimes it's just simply because of an obvious insight reason. You got two branches that are rubbing against each other. It caused an open wound that stressed the tree in that spot and allowed for infection or an insect to come in and burrow in and have an easy, easy path to a meal and a spot to lay its eggs. So we're going to take care of those. And, and by doing that, you're going to take care of a lot right there. You elevate it. You took it off the building. Diseased branches, broken branches and rubbers. Normally, that's it. That's all you have to do. There's not many, there's not much more to it. At that point, you you should be able to step back or or pause and take a look at the tree. 
at this point, there still should be a fair amount of foliage with inside the canopy. And there should be plenty of canopy on the outside shell. After that, you might be done. That might be it. Good enough. You're probably hitting your 20% at that point anyway. That's going to make the tree look, quote unquote, appealing to, to look at. And it's going to be safe at this point, which is most likely the most important part of this whole thing, making the tree safe. But let's say you think that the tree was just too, too large. It was getting too big. It was making you nervous. You think that at any moment it's just going to fall over. And going off that, the majority of reasons that a tree will just all of a sudden fall over is because it's either in a swampy condition and the roots just have nothing really much to hold on to anymore. Lost all the integrity in the, in the ground. The roots have rotted away, obviously giving it absolutely no anchor anymore. Or the tree was rotted somewhere in the trunk and it was leaning or a good windstorm came through, some sheer winds like we had um, a few years back in uh, Bowman's Tower uh, Flower Preserve when those sheer winds came down that valley and just snapped a few hundred trees. So, there's always a, a reason why a tree just falls over. And a lot of times you can see it coming. If trees just fell over, all the, I mean, if it was like a common thing for a tree just to fall over, we, we wouldn't have woods. We wouldn't have the parks that we have with all the beautiful trees that we have in the parks. They would just all be on their side. So, it, it doesn't just happen. We only think it happens once the tree is next to our house or our car. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're staring at it and it's big and, oh, it's just going to fall over. Don't worry. It's not just going to fall over. But we can reduce the size of a tree. It's called a crown reduction. Now, I don't want anybody getting the idea that a crown reduction is what they call topping. Topping just, it, it turns my stomach when I see these tree companies go on someone's property, and obviously they're taking advantage of the customer, you, when they say, yeah, I'll top the tree, and they either say nothing at all after that, or they convince you that it's worthwhile. When you top a tree, they'll tell you, oh, it'll come back, and it, it you know, it, It'll, it's a healthy tree. It'll come back fast. Now, look, if it does by chance come back, which is a good chance, it'll push growth out if it's a healthy tree. The reason that's going to push a lot of growth out and pretty quickly is a reactionary um, procedure by the tree to save its own life. You've taken every single bit of ability for the exception of the nutrients it has stored in its roots to 
stay alive. So what the tree is going to do, uh, simply put, is it's going to push out as much leaves as possible in a very short amount of time to try to gain back its ability to conduct photosynthesis and make sugars and stay alive again. But now, here's the problem. Where you may have only had, say, I don't know, 150 branches to a canopy, you now have over a thousand branches to the canopy. But the problem with that also, besides the fact that you thinking that you just made your tree smaller and you just put more volume to your tree, it also now has a canopy that is extremely weak. So during the process of growing, it suckered out around wood that is now decaying back because it was improperly pruned. And once that decay reaches where those branches are, those branches are just going to fall off for the most part. There may be a few that don't, but those few are now attached to something that doesn't have much meat to it, if you can imagine that. It's decaying from the inside. You can't see it from the ground. You just see this tree now that has a bunch of growth on it. And you're like, look, it's fine. It survived it. We could do that again and again. Trees don't take to that very well. We're not polarding our silver maple or our oak tree. And they may tell you they're polarding it, which is another term for a different technique, which I'm not going to you know, indulge into because it's just something that unless done absolutely to the most professional means and done under close supervision. And when I mean close supervision, I mean, someone's actually going back and looking at the tree and keeping an eye on it. So they know when to come back and cut again, it's, it's, you're just topping the tree. You're basically taking money and you're thinking that you're going to save money by topping it and you're going to keep a tree small. In reality, in the long run, what tree services that do this know is that you are absolutely wasting as much money as possible over a long period of time right into their pocket. It's one of the biggest scams in tree work. It's a giant scam. It's sad. It's terrible. I hate it. I mean, it turns my stomach every time I see it. And when I say that, you know, people that are outside of the tree world or tree uh, tree work, they kind of laugh at me and they're like, ah, you're a tree hugger. That's why you don't. Well, no, it, you know, I don't, I don't have to be a tree hugger or really into my, into my craft to have it turn my stomach. Look, you all, we all. All of us, we work very hard for our money, or we should be working very hard for our, for our money. It's not easy to be comfortable at the moment, anyway, with our economy. So when we pay for something, you're, you're hoping it's quality. You're hoping no one's taking advantage of you. You know, you don't want a scam. And right now, one of the most un- um, one, one of the biggest scams that goes un, untalked about is in tree work. I, I wholeheartedly believe it. 
We know when someone calls us on the phone and they have some foreign accent and you can hear a bunch of talking in the background and they obviously are not American and they say their name is Sam, that you're, you're about to be scammed. You hang up. Even our older generation is hanging up now. But when someone comes to your house and they say, yeah, I can produce your tree for you, what we're going to do, and they describe topping, and they say how it's making it safe, you're buying into it. And you're throwing your money right into their wallet, and they're walking away winning off of you losing. That's sad. That's very sad. So how do how do we correct that? How do we how do we reduce our tree's height or or size appropriately? Well, it's called a crown reduction. Basically, what we're doing is you, you, the tree's at a point where you're now worried about it. So what you're telling us is that you just don't want it to get any bigger. So we we'll reduce it, and and we can safely, for the most part. Every situation's a little different, but we can safely reduce a tree by at least five feet. Sometimes more, sometimes sometimes less, depending on what you have to cut to. That's really the biggest key factor: is what are we able to cut back to? We have to be able to cut any branch as long as long as it's not coming completely off. We have to be able to cut that branch back to a lateral branch that's attached to the main stem of it, that's at least three-quarters of the size of the host branch. Now, the reason for that is because that, that branch that you're cutting it back to has to be able to sustain the life of, of the rest of the branch. It's becoming the dominant point of the branch now. It can't be something that's tiny, tiny, tiny. It's just... it's. It's not going to be able to heal the cut in time for that branch to take over. And you're just going to have die back on that branch. So it's basically a topping cut to that branch. But we can go around and we can reduce the whole crown, you know, as needed, um, as gentle as possible. Normally, the best time to have that done, though, is when there's no leaves on the tree, when the tree's gone dormant. So this past winter, I found myself and a couple other guys um, along with me, uh, or me along with them, we were reducing quite a few trees. And with our bad winter that we had towards the end, it worked out pretty well because the trees that we, that we did a reduction to, they, none of them, not, not a single one of them. We went back, uh, the arborist rep went back and he checked every single tree that that winter prior to that, that we reduced. Not one of them had any damage. We were able to clean out all the deadwood, make appropriate uh, thinning cuts to any diseased, broken, rubbing branches, and still were able to do a proper crown reduction. Um, and it, it turned out that those trees, they survived the worst storms that we had this winter. And if you recall this past winter, they were pretty bad. We had some pretty nasty storms. Towards the end there, we had storms that were just apt. That, that one snowstorm that we were, that we got five inches in one hour falling the rate of, where they were just, they were snapping out trees left and right. I remember standing outside 
just listening to, to trees around me in the woods just cracking out. But not theirs. Theirs survived. And it was it was due to proper pruning. Absolutely due to proper pruning. I, I have no doubt in my mind. Now that might be a little bit of pride, but I'm not sure it's a little bit of pride. Why not? But at this point, I'm on the winning side of it, so I can say that now. If I if I had trees that broke out, maybe I couldn't say the same thing, but I didn't. I just didn't. And that's that's the norm. That's what I've always found in the past. I remember even the, the Arborist Rep saying, you know, nothing broke out. Not even the ones that were a weaker uh, variety of tree broke out. And I, I remember distinctly saying, yeah, I know. It's because we're really good at what we do. And it is. The crew that I was with, uh, the other climber, he he knows his stuff. He knows how to cut. And we, we were making, we, we were doing really, really solid work. And, you know, I, the people that we were doing the work for were getting the money for it. Their value. Now, if you, if you have your, to- your tree topped... Yep, you're right. You're not going to have anything as long as the uh, the topping's brand new fall down on you because it's just a, a wood stick, but you're also not going to have anything of value left either. The other thing that you want to look out for when pruning, and it's something that when I do prune a tree that I'm cautious of because you can sometimes lose yourself when you're pruning a tree. You start you start from the inside, and you you know if you're on the ground, you got yourself a pole clip or a pole saw as the homeowner, and you're just you know you're kind of working your way out on the branch, and you're taking branches, and next thing you know, you've removed every branch on a larger branch all the way out to the tip. That's called lion's tailing. Now what happens there is that one, you've removed a lot of the foliage that's going to keep that branch alive, but two, you've placed all the leverage out to the tip of the branch. So the heavy, all the weight is now at the end. And when the branch was growing, it was growing uh, with the strength and the displacement of the weight in a different manner. So now when you get rain and the rain only collects at the tip, instead of weighing the whole branch down as one and evenly, it's now just bending at the end and snapping. So that's not good. That's not good. And also you'll find that if you take too much off of uh, a branch, you'll get a lot of sucker growth real fast within a month. You'll have a bunch of uh, dormant nodes that, that lie dormant within a branch um, that never really show themselves but they're they're always there and it's like it's a defense mechanism for the tree they have reserve branches basically look at it that way hidden reserve branches that are waiting to be called up in case of an emergency and when you strip out everything on a branch that's the call to action for them that's their emergency they're coming to the rescue for that branch and for that tree they're going to push out and they're going to grow leaves real fast next thing you know you have a bunch of small growth within a tree and you get what you call uh, water spouts. You get branches that just go straight up into the air with inside the canopy. You see that a lot on your Bradford pears. Um, everybody likes to strip their Bradford pears out, um, which oddly enough, I don't have an opinion on a Bradford pear. 
Uh, that That is the one tree that I would say, if I was to call a tree a weed, that is very popular in our area. I'm going to say it's a Bradford pear. They, they're just very fast-growing, weak trees. And I could... I, I wouldn't lose sleep if we started cutting them all down, to be honest with you. And that's just a Bradford pear. It's not... It's not your actual pear tree that we're going to harvest pears out of. So, I have those pears. I have those pears in my yard. They're, they're fine. I have no problem with them. Um, but, yeah. You, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to strip too much off your tree. You want to, you want to take a step back as you're pruning your tree. Take a look at it. Take a walk around. Does it look balanced? Does it look even? Are you starting to notice that you have a hollow center inside the canopy and everything's towards the outside? You may want to stop then. Just put the pole clip and pull us all down. May have gone a little bit too heavy and just not realized it, but it happens. It happens. I watch new, uh, new climbers and new uh, tree pruners all the time. They get very, very uh, tunnel visioned in what they're doing, whether... They're climbing and they're trying to they're trying to worry about not falling and doing the right thing with their climbing system while they're also having to worry about pruning a tree. So you can tell that they're thinking about the climbing more than they're thinking about the cutting. So they're thinking about the mode of travel rather than thinking about uh, the purpose for the travel. Um, or if you're a homeowner and you got your uh, you got your kids running around in the front yard. You're you're yelling at the one to stay away from the street. Yelling at the older one to stop hitting the younger one with a baseball bat. Boys will be boys. I got I got two boys. You can tell from that comment. Um, or you're you're telling your little girl to to stop painting her arm and worry about just putting the paint on the on the driveway. Stop getting it all over her dress. <laughs> Uh, but they're just, there's, there's distractors. We're human, you know? And next thing you know, you look at what you're actually trying to accomplish and you realize, ah, crap, I went too far. I did too much. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But just try not to, try not to take more than 20% out of your tree and try to go easy on how much you're taking off each branch. I told uh, I told a, a new a new younger uh, climber uh, arborist in in the office that I work at full time. He was asking, you know, well, how do I go about choosing what stays and what goes on a branch as I work my way out on the branch? Because I start from the middle and I work my way out to the tip, unless there's another reason why I'm I'm not going to. And I said, you know, after the whole dead branches, broken branches, diseased branches, and rubbing branches, I said, if there's none of that, and I'm just, you know, it's a pretty clean tree, and I'm just pruning some excess growth out of it, I said, you know, honestly, I go every other, every other branch, as long as they're really small, of the new growth. So any new growth that's come from the last, you know, since the last pruning, I'll take every other one. And normally... That works out pretty good. You find out, you find out that uh, after you did that, it's clean. 
It looks good. You're good to go. You can move on to the next branch. You don't have to spend too much time on it. You know, um, sometimes you got to go a little bit more. Sure. Sometimes there's clusters. There's like five or six branches that grew up from one spot. You had those, those dormant, uh, dormant, uh, branches that were all clumped together with each other. And that's fine. You can take a whole clump if you have to and leave, you know, one dominant on each side of that clump. But you want to make sure that you just leave the foliage as you go out. You don't want to take too much. I think I I don't think I could scream that enough probably in this podcast or or ever. You don't want to take too much out of your tray. Also, what you want to keep in mind, um, a lot of people, and I can. I, this is a topic that I can I can go either way on this topic, um, and that's poking holes in the canopy to allow sunlight and air movement. So that's something that I've always been told coming up as a young arborist, a young climber, and to this day, I still hear it all the time. Um, I understand the theory. If you have air movement inside, it can, it can allow for more growth inside. It can allow for aeration which can keep down certain um, insects, uh, certain fungus from taking over because they're just trying to get into a shady spot and usually a shady spot is a moist spot, so on and so forth. Um, but I've also heard a theory that made complete sense to me. And... I don't know what the guy called his theory. I don't even know if he had a name for it, to be honest with you. But I called it the eggshell theory. If you ever go down to North Carolina, South Carolina, they have some homes down there that are shaped like an eggshell. And the whole theory was that when the wind blows real hard, the wind will hit the eggshell on the outside wrap around with very minimum sail and then continue on. Now, obviously we know that when a tree has leaves on it, it's going to have sail because it's not a solid mass, but it does deflect the wind around itself. And by doing so, it doesn't allow the wind to go necessarily pushing straight through inside the canopy to the opposite side that it's blowing from and hitting the branches on from the inside and pushing them in a manner of which they weren't grown to be strong to hold. So if you could imagine uh, when you see somebody wrangle an alligator or a crocodile, right? These things are dinosaurs. They're dinosaurs. They're strong. They are, I mean, they are just a force, right? But a human can sit on top of its head, grab it by the mouth, as long as it has both sides of the mouth, top and bottom, and keep the mouth closed. The alligator has absolutely no muscle to open its mouth. 
It just has all the muscle to crush closing. Well, a tree, really, it has a lot of muscle to withstand wind as it's pushing against it. But the opposite of pushing down, it doesn't have as much strength. It does have strength, but it doesn't have as much strength. So you can easily snap a branch by pushing against it the opposite direction. Well, when the wind blows through, that's what it's doing. It's pushing in the opposite direction. So his theory was that by opening it up, you're also opening up the chances of pushing against branches and leads in a manner of which it wasn't necessarily strongest or design strongest to withhold. And I, and I like that theory because he, he went deeper into it uh, and he had slides and he had, he had studies and it made sense. It made complete sense to me. So I was really torn on that one. You know, I, I still got to do whatever the customer um, agrees with the, with the salesman to do because that's what you're paying for. Um, but at the same time, I have that in the back of my mind and I'm always trying to find a way to marry the two, right? So salesman says, you know, really open it up. Make sure that wind can blow through. I might agree, but not go as hard as that sales rep may think. And that's not me just trying to be dishonest or lazy or anything like that. It's me trying to find a marriage between both worlds. And I've personally, I feel as though I found that um, over trial and error over the years. And I've had a pretty good success rate with the trees that I've been pruning. Uh, this winter was a really good example of that success rate for sure. Um, but it's like medicine. It's a practice, you know, and there's every tree is different, just like every person is different when they go to the doctor and the doctor's got to try to figure out their history. So pruning is like looking at history. What's this tree been through? What's it, what's from its history? What is it, you know, what can I assume is going to happen in the future? Um, if it's against a building, I can assume that it's going to want to grow back against the building again. I'm going to have to come back and prune it again. So how can I start pruning to mold it around the building or an object? I know that it's going to want to grow its lower branches downward towards the ground again. How can I try to encourage the growth to go back up, stay it out of the people's heads and faces? And I also know that if I leave a branch that looks like it's rubbing against something, I know from history that that's going to be a future problem. So we remove the rubbers. So for me to try to wrap this up, I know that's a lot of information on, and it's, it, and it's not necessarily like textbook information. I understand that this is me trying to basically just go over how I've seen it. It's just one man's view from the field of doing this job for 20 plus years now. And, uh, and just kind of giving you like an honest, you know, this is what I see. This is, this is how it's always, you know, this is what's worked best for me and how I've seen it fail for others. 
aka topping trees, lions tailing, and uh, not doing your homework on your on your tree services and checking up on what they're saying is good and bad. Remember, they're they're after your money. They're not they're not uh, necessarily after what's best for you all the time. So so to wrap this up. If you're going to be the one that's going to be pruning your tree because you got a smaller tree and you can handle it or you feel you can handle it, remember to take plenty of time to step back, take a minute, a break, and look at what you're doing. Do not over prune. Make sure your cuts are good cuts. And if, if you're not sure what a good, a good uh, pruning cut is, that's what they invented Google for. You Google a photo of a proper pruning cut on a tree. There's going to be plenty of plenty of information. And if any of it says ISA or International Society of Arboriculture on it, go with that. Or if it has .edu in the web search browser, you're pretty safe to go with that too. If it looks like Joe Hick took a picture in his backyard... And there's a Budweiser can somewhere in the picture. Don't go with that. Don't go with that one. That's the guy that's trying to rip you off anyway. <laughs> so be careful. Don't prune too much. And if anything, go lighter. Because you can always take more, but you can't put it back. The biggest rule. You can always take it off, but you can't put it back. And if you have any questions, if there's anything you're unsure about, you can always message me on the Anchor app, Anchor FM. I would be more than happy to get back to any questions that you may have, for sure. And if you are in the River Valley area and you are looking to have someone come out and give you a little guidance on future tree work and have a an opinion on it that isn't going to be based on trying to make money off you later aka I'm not going to do the tree work for you I'm going to let you know what I feel is in your best interest to have be you know get done I'm also available for that. You can just message me. I'll uh, I'll get a hold of you. I'll come out. I'll be your friendly neighborhood arborist. And you know I'll have an unbiased opinion on it. Which is good. You can get a lot of free estimates from a lot of tree companies. Every tree company will give you a free estimate. Knowing that on the back end, they're standing to make hundreds if not thousands of dollars off of convincing you that your perfectly healthy tree needs to come down. I'm not going to be the guy doing the tree work. I'm just a guy that's there to make sure that your money is put to good use and that you're going to be in safe hands because the people that are going to do it are going to do the right thing. So, download that Anchor FM app for podcasting if you haven't already and subscribe to me and I'll answer any questions that you guys may have but until the next podcast I'm going to say goodbye 
Hopefully you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend. That'll do it for me, guys. Thank you again for listening to another Arborist Gym podcast. Stay safe.